disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected woman, a person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Welcome back to Black Girl SOS. Today we are talking about Black women and leadership in this America. And I got two of my most expensive leaders with me. Okay, I'm only going to bring y'all the baddest of the bad, all right? <laughs> Ladies, please introduce yourself. Kim, go ahead, go first. <laughs> uh, my name is Kimberly Lyons, and I am a native and current resident of Bronx, uh, the Bronx, New York. I, right. <laughs> Um, I am in a leadership uh, leadership position. Um, I work in the financial services industry. I have been in this industry, Lord, I'm going to tell my age, um, <laughs> over 15 years. Um, been working. Don't worry, we all elder. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I've been working in a corporate environment for over 15 years. Um, and now I am in a space at, at a level uh, where my voice holds weight. Um, and it's respected and it's acknowledged. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Maylin Sinclair. Um, I reside in Brooklyn, New York. I'm currently a leader in, in the wireless industry. I've been in the industry for over 25 years, believe it or not. Um, particularly in the retail industry, um, I have several positions. I also hold a seat at the table for diversity and inclusion. And um, yeah, that's pretty much who I am. See, I told y'all it was bad. You're welcome. <laughs> so, ladies, first and foremost, I would like, and you know, whoever wants to go first, go at your leisure, but I would like you to define or just give us your definition of leadership because it's not the same to everybody. Okay. Um, for me, I've always used these words to define leadership lead your ship. Like, it's your ship. You need to lead it. You need to be at the front of the line at all times, and there's no shortcut. So you will always hear me say, lead your ship, because it is your ship, and you should lead it. No one else should lead it. So I keep it short and sweet, and that's what I've always shared with my assistants and my team. Like, that is our definition, and that's how I define leadership. That makes sense. Yeah, no, like, that's really good. <laughs> First of all, I'm stealing it. So all right, I'm like, let me write that down. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> all right, so um, I think of leadership um as guiding, as being able to translate a vision into reality. Um, it's taken me a a little while to really come to that realization as I've as I've climbed the ranks and gone through so many different um, iterations of leadership. Some were good leaders and some were bad. Um, I definitely uh, felt, and when it, it became my time to be a leader as well, um, it was, I was most effective, uh, um, not the one like barking orders, but basically showing, improving and putting in the work as well. 
Um, and, you, you know, I felt like that got the most respect and, and, and I, that's the way I got the most um, results out of the team. Now, I agree with that. When I'm, I mean, I'm in leadership now, not in my nine to five, but in other spaces. But when I was in leadership in my nine to five, I, contrary to popular belief, they all thought that I would be barking at them, which is literally the opposite of my leadership style. I do not, I hold you extremely accountable. And that is my personal definition of leadership, accountability. One, I need to be accountable to my team. Two, my team needs to be accountable to me. And three, we all need to be accountable to each other. So we function in a space where we harbor respect. I feel like the accountability sinks in without you needing to tell somebody, hey, you know, you're accountable to me to do this. This is expected of you. I feel like when people feel respected, that that accountability bit kind of just sinks in anyway, because you just don't want to let somebody down that you have a respect level for. So right. that's, that's kind of just the way I went about it. Because at one point, <laughs> one of my subordinates was actually, you know, someone who's like family to me, but like an auntie, like, I knew her through my mom, like hanging out with my mother. So she's much older than me, obviously. And she's known me since I was in diapers. So it was a, you know, kind of a, weird dynamic <laughs> and also she thought that she could lean into our relationship and I was like nah sis I write up everybody <laughs> I, I, write, I write up everybody I leave my shit with authority too <laughs> that's right but I think it's important I think that's important because that's why I have that definition um I teach my team that every single one of us are leaders right and you have to lead by example and if this is your house you're going to pick protect it so this is our ship you have to protect it and you can't just rely on me because I have the title to say okay I'm only going to move because you say no we're all moving together so if you think this is the right thing to protect our ship we yeah. are going to move together so that's important we all got to be paddling <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I think like the best way um to do that is you you have to empower people like you know to, to get respect you have to give respect um, and that's the way that I felt like you yielded the most results. Like, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. But if I'm empowering you and like, you know, to your point, Maylin, like giving you ownership of this yeah. as well, you're yeah. you're going to ride just as hard as I am for it. So that's the perfect segue to my next question. On your rise to leadership to where you both now have seats at the table and a voice that's heard at the table, what do you feel like your strongest barriers were? Uh, I think uh, <laughs> uh, I think one of my one one of the barriers was because I was black and I was a female. You know, when you're surrounded by male, it it, it becomes very difficult and challenging to make your voice be heard. Um, I'm coming from the era where it was like, okay yeah we hear you but we don't hear you like men yeah. know how to do it better than females so it was important to continue to fight for my voice to be heard so you know I had to come up with I had to be so strategic in making my point or proving my point without saying see I told you so like <laughs> you know <laughs> seriously like it, it became a challenge right so it, it turned out to be that instead of just saying it I had to do it and when I was doing it, it was driving results. And in the corporate world, as both Kim and I will share, it's all about numbers. Result is important. Okay. So now when, 
when you're over there and you're not performing, you're not driving results, now you have no choice but to come knocking at my door to say, hey, what are some best practices you are doing over there, right? And I don't have a problem sharing it because I want you to be successful. You're not going to be successful as I am because I am the one with the ideas and no one can, you know, put the goal. give you the recipe. Right. <laughs> I give you the recipe, but you can't bake the cake the way how I'm going to bake it. Because the way I bake the cake is going to have love and it's going to have empathy. It's going to have compassion in which why people are drawn to me because I'm trustworthy. You know, so I think the, you know, being, being able to fight and just sit at the table, because there's one thing fighting to be on the table, but then there's a second part that we have to do. We have to make sure that our voices is being heard. And that's a challenge right there by itself. So. Right. Um, for my journey, I think um, what hindered me the most, um, well, it would, it would be early on, but I, I've, I have encountered it through many stages of my career. It's implicit bias yeah. or unconscious bias, whichever buzzword you want to use right now. <laughs> so I definitely, um, you know, at the start of my career, like, you know, star out of the sky, was getting promotions, like, you know, left and right. And then I realized I hit a point where um, the accolades were coming in far and few between in terms of um, like act, actual development and, um, and promotional opportunities. Um, what I realized was that the people that were praising me to my face were the ones that behind closed doors when those conversations were being had um, were not supporting me. Um, those were the voices that were at the table at the time. And it, that was like a real wake up call for me. You know, I realized that, you know, race definitely had something to do with it. Um, I, I felt, um, but it's the ones it's like, it's the Amy Coopers that are, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, liberal, I'm, I'm supportive of you, but really I'm not trying to amplify your voice or mm -hmm. elevate you to the same level that they are. Um, so I, I really feel like that was a major hindrance. So I, so mine is reverse. I have never had any issues moving up um, in spaces where I want to move up. Like at my nine to five now, I don't have any desire to move up. It's not, it's not on my to-do list, right? But in workspaces that I've been in where it was my goal to move up and I have moved up, I've never had any issues. It's once I got there, like you were saying, May, once you're in the seat. So it's like I got there, everything was fine. And um, I kind of talked about this on the last episode of just really moments that I thought were going to be Black girl magic that turned into Black girl tragic, where I thought I was going to get like this really good mentorship from um, women who were in seats that, you know, I was hoping to one day occupy, maybe not in that exact you know, company, not their seat per se, but, you know, occupy that seat. I'm in my own space that I really thought I was going to get all of this mentorship from and all of this support from. And it was like, I had the Kim experience where they were like, oh, you're great. You're great. But behind closed doors, it was like, oh, well, this is why she's problematic. And this is why she's problematic. And, but for the fact that I was driving results, the, the people that they were right. speaking to, you know, mm -hmm. it's, 
I forget how the saying goes, but it's basically your name is being spoken in rooms you haven't walked into yet. My name had already been in those rooms unbeknownst to me. Those people had already been singing my praises because I had already been driving results. So when the person who was, you know, above me that I thought I was going to get mentorship from was basically trying to outline me as being somebody who's problematic, they were like, you got the same Tasha at your job. Right. <laughs> because that's not the Tasha that we get. And I just, well, what I would say, I thought it was whack because we all black women, right? So we should always be trying to like, we should always be lifting as we climb. That's how it should be. And I, and I've just, I've consistently found that like, even outside of work, like even in like civic organizations I belong to, women that are, you know, that I think I'm going to get mentorship for whatever reason, Mm-hmm. don't lift as they climb. Like, they feel like, you know, they got to guard their seat to the end. And I'm like, sis, <laughs> but see, I'll, bring, I'll bring a fold-up chair. It's not that serious. <laughs> you can have your chair. <laughs> up because um, what I've learned is that although we have expectations for another Black sister to give us that Black girl magic and... Oh, God, let that go, but yeah. I had to let that um, go. So so the reality is that their experience is actually different from us, you know, so they're not coming from that black world that we've been living and experiencing. They are coming from experiences where they have, they have the Amy's, they have the Karen, they have the Susan, they got the Bob's who are championing them on to get to that level. So now when they see another sister, it, it, it causes conflict because now they feel like, oh, this sister's coming from my position when it's really not the case. I'm just trying to share the same yeah. seat. I'm trying to get the seat at the table with you, sis. I'm trying to grow with you. So it it's very challenging and it's, and it's very strategic. You have to be very strategic in leadership. Like, it's not even a game. Like, it's a game, but it's really strategic. Hence why I had to learn how to play chess because I had to understand my pieces on the board and I had to learn how to move them. Mm-hmm. in order to get what I want, you know, in the long term. So I think um to that point, I think um um it's generational. Yeah. Like age obviously yeah. plays a big role. Um, you know, um to Maylin's point, like when um the older genera- generation of black women were coming up, they were the only in a room. Like and that environment, you know, as unfortunate as it may be or may have been, that's what they cling on to is like being the only um to be honest my experience hasn't been that with women of color Mm -hmm. um that experience has been with women of the majority (laughs) um (laughs) so they are the ones that were like doing like the amy cooper crap to me and i did i'm happy to hear that you had a better like an alternative experience than mine i love that Right, but the problem with that is that there weren't many Black women leaders in my industry in a position of, like, absolute power. I didn't meet, um, like, women managing directors until, I would say, in the past couple of years. And I actually had, like, amazing experiences with them because I do have, like, um, a, a really close friend. I consider her a mentor. And, you know, she's an ally and she makes it her business to like 
put me out on front street with everybody. If she knows somebody, I'm going to know somebody. And she definitely put me in a position to become friends with a a very influential Black woman within our industry um, at a level I really wouldn't see. And this woman, like, basically immediately took me under her wing, especially when I was transitioning. She was amazing. Like, she, like, called, like, she's, like, call, like, email whenever you want, like, coach me through, like, the um, uh, salary negotiations, just was, like, you know, who do I know at that firm? Like, I'll reach Mm -hmm. out to them. Like, she was amazing. And I I would want to hope and think in hindsight that if I had met her or others like hers earlier in my career I would have had the same results I just didn't we I didn't have that op- option there, yeah. there weren't I, I, any at that time I will say this in in my professional um like in my profession I have had great black women attorneys as mentors just not in the corporate spaces that I work in because I don't work for a law firm I have mm-hmm. my own firm, and then I you know I work for I work in health insurance um but women attorneys I've had some stellar black women attorneys as mentors. Like I appreciate them on another level because when I tell you they, I mean, we, we all know that I am very big on myself. I do. I think quite highly of me. <laughs> so we all, you know, we, exactly. We all know this, but, but what they did do for me was, to help me convert that great self-esteem about myself as a person into myself as a business. So I like, I don't feel reliant on shit. Like this nine to five could come and fucking go. I'm going to still get a dollar. (laughs) I will flex this law degree to the end of the earth if need be. And so they were really, really good in that way. And, And I appreciate them for that because they knew that I was going into an area of law that is predominantly old white male. Not that all of law isn't, but tax law especially. Right. They were preparing you. They were preparing you. Exactly. They, and they were. They were just like, you know, listen, either you go curse somebody out and either stand on your own two feet or, or they're going to be intimidated and then you're going to end up just branching off on your own and need to stand on your own two feet and just know that that, like, you're able. You can do that. Right. Um, that being said, I, I do want to pivot to the current climate. Because you ladies are leadership in, in a state of disarray. Shit, shit, is, <laughs> shit is on fire, baby. Stop, stop down, baby. <laughs> this shit is on fire. So okay. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like at this point, mm-hmm. every company has made their position clear. They right. either yep. put out a statement that made their position clear, or they didn't yep. say shit, which also made their position clear. Or at this point, your silence is a statement. Exactly. It's a very loud statement. So I feel like at this point, we know where everyone stands. From your seat, from your leadership seat and your industry, how does, how does the, the statements that have come out of your industry align with you and your leadership style? Like, what has had to change because of that? What have you had to do differently because of it? Okay. Cam, you want to go first? Um, <laughs> all right. So this, this is a very interesting question. Um, to be honest, I didn't really like, I had a hard time processing everything that was happening, right? Like for us, it's unfortunately, it's normal, right? Like George Floyd wasn't the first, he wasn't the last, like we just had Richard Brooks. Correct. Right. So 
and before there was no uproar, but then I realized like, oh, we're in a global pandemic. Like everyone, there are no diversions. There's no distractions. You have to sit with this. You have to see this. So, right. So that Monday, once I realized like, oh, people are actually paying attention to this. And I won't ever forget it. Like within my department, we were having like a random, like regular recurring meeting or whatever. And it was kind of like business as usual. And I was just like, wait a minute, this is not business as usual. Like we cannot continue to have business as usual. Um, Unbeknownst to me, like our executive leadership team within the company was like putting together their statement, but I made it a point to highlight to our department executive team, like, listen, we have to address this. Someone has to say something. This is not normal. Um, In addition to that, we have a lot of junior um, people. This may be their first corporate job. They may not know how or feel comfortable expressing how they truly feel about this. And people are having a hard time processing this. Like, I... Don't I, like I felt like the level of civic engagement right now is through the roof. Like you've never had everyone, like most people on in the country on the same. No, the Amish came out. The Amish, they didn't got no phone. Exactly. So I'm like, you know, this is this is different, and we need to lean into this moment right now. We need to have those uncomfortable conversations because you're gonna ask me if I'm okay. Like, how's your day going? No, I am not okay. Like, no, I am literally living through. You know, it started with Ahmaud Arbery, then Breonna said, like, it's month after month of an uh, unarmed Black person getting killed. Like, yeah. I am not okay. So, yeah. and I was just like, listen, I have nothing for you. Like, I'm calling it Black today. <laughs> That's I a big am, like, I'm, I don't. Our company, our um, global, like, executive leadership team put out a very strong statement, which I, I, I definitely appreciated. And then they followed up. We have um, an employee uh, um, resource group that is dedicated to the Black employees um, at our firm. And, you know, they engaged with us. They let us have our, our safe space. They, you know, wanted to know, like, what next steps could be, which I also really appreciated. But, you know, I also have to, we, you know, we continue to hold them accountable. Like, we're going to continue to have these conversations. Like, this is not you know, uh, uh, a point in time thing. Like this, these, these instances will continue to happen. It's always going to be topical. The time for the conversation is now. And also the burden is not on us to teach you about what, what to do. Like you we always will engage you with this, but you, Google is at everyone's fingertips. If you call yourself an ally and you call yourself an advocate, you have to do the work now. We are tired. We are tired. Like you cannot be passively, you know, I'm an anti-racist. I don't believe I'm I hate racism. Like that enough with that passive stuff. Like what are you doing? I hate racism. What? So what are you doing? Are you calling your your aunt? You calling your aunt Carol? Like what are you doing? Your cousin Amy on the phone. Did you stop her? Did you stop her? Cut her phone off. Yeah. Her plan. Make cut her phone off. All the Amy's of the world cut their damn phone off. Right. 
All so, of so for me, um, it, it was a little different and it was like a sense of urgency for me. Um, for those who know me know that when I, I strive very well in dealing with um, chaos, right? Because I'm coming from that world where your decision making ha happens really, really fast. Like you don't really have time to think. And um, from one one of my seats, um, I actually, <laughs> you know, inspire and motivate individuals to join this group. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about this group is consists of over 300 employees plus. So as the lead, which is like the president of the Women in Leadership Network, I thought it was very important for me to put out a statement. So I didn't wait for my company. I'm like, no, I have to talk to my people. We are 74% of our employees are African-American. And I, I, I'm sorry, I wasn't waiting for legal. I wasn't waiting for corporate America. I was, I was not waiting for the CEO. I thought it was imperative of me to communicate to my team and my direct employees to let them know where I stand. And this is a conversation that we are going to have. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to be silent. And if I have to risk my position, I am willing to do that because I am taking a stand on letting you know that I am black every day, not just yesterday, not just today. I am black every single day. And I need you to know that I understand how you're feeling. So to Kim's point, I made it my business to let them know when someone asks you, how you doing? Do not play the game and say, oh, I'm okay. You know, life is beautiful. No, I, I, I'm tired. I am sick. I'm tired. I am hurt. I'm tired of seeing my people dying. Like, be open and honest to communicate. So that, that was one. Then at that time, I put out the statement. I did a video. So I had the video and I, sh I shared it through all our social media platform. And the amount of response that I was getting, like, okay, thank you for doing that. Thank you for connecting with us. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for taking a stand and representing us. Like, it meant a lot to them, which our CEO, like, scrambled to, like, put a statement out. However, our VP did an outstanding job. We had a conference call, and it was supposed to talk about the transition and between the merger that we just acquired another company. I know. <laughs> right? So he <laughs> took it left field. And let me tell you something. That was the most powerful conversation that this white man had with us and made it important to say, I need every single person to stop what you're doing. If you're multitasking, I need you to put everything down and sit at your desk because this conversation is going to be had. And we have some guests that are going to speak to our African employees. Girl, when I tell you these directors and these executives were sharing their stories about being Black, having Black children, we got off that call in tears because we couldn't believe that a white man actually really cared about us like that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't scheduled, but he saw and felt the sense of urgency to address us. And as well, address us because we have also a community that is also African-American. So it's not just the employees, but it's also our community. Yeah. We deal with customers who are African-American. So it's very sensitive and it's very touching. 
But nonetheless, they did a good job of addressing it. You know, um, we took a diversity moment in, in which something that I suggested and um, they decided to take it further. And on Thursday, we closed, we actually opened our stores later. But that day I actually just, you know, told my boss, uh, I need more than two hours for my blackness. So I'm taking a black PTO <laughs> And he laughed because, you know, <laughs> He's black, so he, he knew what it was. And uh, so they have been doing a lot of things and they understand the sense of urgency. And for the most part, they don't want the 74% of us to walk out because without us, uh, the company falls, right? So um, they actually did a good job and they're doing a lot of action because we are holding them accountable. And I am having that conversation with them. You know, um, we had to shoot a commercial we had to um, do other different things because now they're realizing there's not a lot of us that sit on that level. So now the representation. They not, and they're not, I'm gonna stop you right there because they're not now realizing a damn thing. They they're now realizing shit. Well, it's in their face, so face, correct. It's in their face now. And so we in their face now. Right. All the they goddamn world is in their face. But they don't have a distraction. You know, there's no sports, yeah. there's no, nothing else right. open up. The yeah. world is not open where you. You can say, oh, it's going to be okay. That's what I mean. The world is gazing down on their ass. Right. I just read like one of black. one of the CEOs of um, a major investment bank um, just elevated two black women to uh, the executive leadership teams in two different capacities. And in his statement, he said he felt compelled to do it because of what was going on, although they were already scheduled to go later in the year. And I'm just like, that's amazing. That's great. But I don't want to go into like these performative uh, yeah. kind of uh, gestures. I, I yeah, like, exactly, sis. Yeah. The pipeline has always been there. Like Thank our skill set, our talent has always been there. So when they talk about like, oh, we don't have, we, we realized that we didn't have the pipeline of, um, of like of upper management, like waiting to go, because all you think about is recruitment. You don't think about retainment. You don't exactly. think about like what our experiences are once we get the job. Are yeah. you cultivating an, an environment that allows us to ascend? Is okay. there, you know, like, and not that we need more training than anyone else, but what we do have very specific needs, <laughs> right? So, to, to your point, it, it's the same conversation that I just had with my boss because he just got uh, let go. Um, I, I said, you know, what's so amazing to me now? It's oh my gosh, you know, we're gonna do this. We're gonna open up these positions. Like we don't want you to give us anything. Um, right. I need you guys to understand that we were always qualified. Correct. We've been coming, knocking at the door, well equipped, well educated with a lot of experience, ready to work, but mm -hmm. you never looked at us as an equal. And that's a problem. So now, don't think because we're in your face and we're not backing down. Now it's, oh, let me promote. Let me get a lot of black people in these seats. No, that's not what we want. We don't want no sympathy. We want to work. In the last, in the last 15 days, the amount of jobs for a head of diversity and inclusion, DVP of diversity and inclusion, like all these bullshit DNI jobs have literally yep. opened up over the last 15 days, which is exactly what y'all were talking about. Handing, like, oh, I'm just going to give you a job. Right. First of all, if I've been like a senior, let's just say I'm an analyst, right? If I've been a senior analyst 
at this job for X amount of years. I have X amount of degrees. I don't want to be the VP of DNI. I want to follow my department. Like, Right. Why am I like not operation? That's what I've earned. Exactly. Don't give me some bullshit to pacify me like I'm a fifth grader. And you like, yep. right, if I give her some candy, you know, she'll be quiet. Nah, bitch, we're gonna be nah. now long haul. Like yeah. the motherfucking long yeah. haul. But yeah. no, I th- I think it's very interesting that both of you, your industries put out like really, really strong messages mm-hmm. because you both don't have straight black upline, and I do. My upline is black all the way to the top. Mine is white. White. And I literally mean white. (laughs) My team is completely people of color. And my team is black all the way to the top. And we got a most bullshit fucking response. Bitch, I was on my email like, (laughs) what you're not going to do. Oh my goodness. Oh no. My inbox. With the bullshit. So I got on my first team meeting after um, after the George Floyd incident happened, and my manager, who's a black woman, um, we get on the call, and I'm just like, "Do you want me to put up my agenda? Why?" Because at this point, um, the head person had already sent out this email that set me off in the worst way, mm-hmm. and I'm agitated. I don't want to talk to none of y'all. I'm ready to log the fuck out for the day. And I'm right. like, "Do you want me to put up my agenda?" She's like, "Absolutely not." Sis, let's talk because that did you see the email? And I said, okay, well, thank you. I'm glad somebody in leadership (laughs) understands what is going on. She was like, first of all, nah, that's some bullshit. Like, we can't just sidestep over this shit. I was like, not when we're all black. Right, right. We're all black. We're all black. But that's that's that respectability bullshit. Like, you know, I was like, we can't be counseling and high stepping and fucking tap dancing. When we're all black, like you can't do that shit. And then the next day, um, the next day it was two leaders up and I, I really love him because he's always 100% authentic. Like he talked to us the way we talk to us and, um, you know, except for when he's on this corporate meeting. <laughs> so he had a, he had a meeting with his whole department and he was just like, yeah, so we're going to address this. And Named names, George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, like named every Breonna Taylor, like named names, really got into it. And I was like, see, this is what I appreciate. So when he sent out his, you know, how did you feel about the, the little town hall or whatever, mm-hmm. I said to him, I said, I appreciate that you spoke in vivid color and did not speak to me in taupe because I do not appreciate when people talk to me in taupe. Don't talk to me in a calm, soothing voice about some shit that is really disruptive to my very existence. Like, don't do that shit. And I, and I named, you know, our leadership that did it because y'all know I don't give a fuck. So I was like, I said, I felt offended. I felt overlooked. I felt like for us to all share this history in this country for that statement to be so generic said to me that he's more interested in holding his seat than respecting the people that works for him. I said, and for me, that's problematic. That, that causes me to look elsewhere for work. So, Mm -hmm. and you know, we already understand because you motherfuckers are fired. As you saw on Twitter today, I, I, I kindly shared to, everyone because my ceo my vp all all of them follow me and i kindly put on my twitter that next week i'm i'm gonna address the black people that are being used as puppet to address the black people 
Like, yeah. so, you know, we have those black employees who are trying to get promoted. So they're like doing the, the pony dance. Instead the of taking a stand. Shit. Right. Instead of taking a stand and saying, you know what? I, I'm supporting this. Like, no, we can't move forward. This cannot be a conversation that we can't have. That ain't even no promotion you want because that's some bullshit in name and not in right. anything substantive. Right. Right. Like, what, what are you going to do with it? You like, it would literally be the opposite of what the both of you have, which is not just a seat at a table, but a voice at the table. Because if I know I gave it to you, I'm not really checking for what you have to say. You didn't earn your seat here any fucking way. Exactly. I gave you this seat so that when we take these pictures for the corporate pamphlet, it yeah. all looks good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the biggest, the biggest part of our leadership role right now is holding people accountable. So, you know, I, I, I do a great job of that. I hold people accountable. <laughs> Because that's what I want the same sense of urgency you will have when you want to hold me accountable. I am holding you accountable as well. So no, you put out that statement. We are not we, we are not pop. We not I don't want to hear our, I want to hear black people or African American address us only. I'm not saying that all lives don't matter. We are saying that black lives matter. And that's what we fighting for. The fact that I have to keep telling you my life matters is exactly why all lives don't matter. (laughs) Exactly. So I say that to say that it's been very interesting that I sit on the diversity and inclusion network, right? I have a strong position. My seat at the table is strong. But it's because you earned it. Right. Well, you know, yeah, of course I earned it. No, but um, that's what I'm saying, as opposed to these fucking, I'm telling you, if you go on, if y'all go right, on the all, all the right now, right. girl, right. <laughs> let me tell you, baby, <laughs> they don't, don't like, I have, now, I have encouraged people who really ain't gonna get nowhere on their own to go ahead and try to make that happen for yourself, right, right, it's an opportunity, right. because you probably are not gonna get this opportunity again, but for those of us, like the uses in the world, who really earn our fucking spots, I'm like, right, yo, right. don't take that shit. That shit is not yep, going to yep. translate into what you think it's going to translate into. So what's been so ironic and so interesting for me is that I am the only African-American on that board. And none of my counter partners that on, on diversity inclusion? Yes. Have not. Have not. Let me this repeat this. This is problem. Let me repeat this. Have not reached out to me to ask me how I am doing or how I am feeling. So you know what I did? I held every single one accountable and gave them a new one. See, you guys want to dance around these conversations? I am good at having these tough conversations and telling you that it is unacceptable for you to sit on this table. Like, why are you on this table? How are you representing us? Like, this is diversity and inclusion. You are supposed to lean in and say, oh, let me look on the board. Who's black here? Let me reach out to that individual to say, you know what? How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Just start the conversation right there. And the fact that no one has reached out to me, you know, it has been very interesting. I do have one person who sits on the board as well, but I kind of not count her because we are actually friends up out of where we work. So our company that we just acquired, we worked there previously together. So mm-hmm. our relationship goes 20, de- you know, yeah. two decades, right? So now it's like 20 plus years of friendship and we've been like leaning on each other like, can you believe no one has called you? Like, I can't believe it. No one has called me. 
The interesting factor of it is there's a white person who sits on the uh, board and actually is a strong advocate for me. Like, I'm not going to lie. My experience, like, getting that mentorship came from a white woman. Like, this person actually advocates for me. Also have, like, black children, you know? Like, it's amazing to me and have yet to reach out to me. So now I'm looking at her totally different, like, do you not have black kids? It's a lot of people getting exposed in the light, baby. <laughs> but it was drawn. They, they were all trying to re trying to figure out if they were going to have a job because of all the acquisition and the merge. A lot of people got let go. Acquisition. Let me tell you something. That M and A been in the works for eons. Even I knew about it. Right. Y'all don't work there. Please, Child, please. Everybody Hello. know. That's why I started buying up stack. I said this shit looking good. Hello. <laughs> that's my whole point. That's what I've been telling other people. Like, this is your platform. You have a platform. Just use it. Like, risk it all. Like, this. What could possibly happen to me? Not even risk it, common decency. Like, hey, I sit on the DNI board with you. Yeah. Wait. Like, that's just, that's just business. That ain't risk it shit. That's just how it's going. Here's a better one. Here's a better one. You wait. You ready for this one? HR sits on the board. A partner. An HR partner sits on the board. Hence why my tweets today addressed them. Like, how are you sitting on the board and you don't reach out to me? Are you not for the people? Who are you representing? Gotta I'm confused. Accountable. Got to. I'm confused. <laughs> but this is what happened after I tweeted all that and uh -huh. aired them out. <laughs> what do I get? I get a lovely phone call from HR, from another HR representative who really is cool, so she didn't get that smoke, but I already knew that they put her up to calling me because they're like, okay, and then I had to let her know, like, hey, I'm also on PTO, so we shouldn't be having this conversation because now yeah. I get an extra day because you're calling me on PTO. <laughs> no, See but I, the point you make aligns with the point that Kim made and the point that I was making when I went live on, on BGS um, a couple of weeks ago, I should not have to teach you how to ally. And I'm not going to. Like, you're either going to do it or you're not. Like, I'm not going to give you the Cliff Notes version of how you've been fucking up for 400 years as a fucking people. Right. I'm not, not no. going to do that. Like, tell you I'm not going to teach you about yeah. slavery. I'm not, I'm not going to make this video is, about It's ridiculous. And then I, and what especially pisses me off with people in leadership, just in general, um, I, you know, I make it a point not to drag black women on this platform. Like I'll call your ass out. Like, yo, you said some dumb shit, but I'm not going to drag your ass. Cause that is not what I'm here for. But I'm going to okay. call Keisha Bottoms out. Mayor Bottoms was on some bullshit today on The View. And I'm going to call this out for multiple reasons. One, she's a fellow rapper. Two, um... I did not of, see it. What did she say? I'm about to tell you. And a, bu a bunch of us, like, you know, in our small ways, contributed. Our, you know, we ain't got no big coins, but, you know, little coins add up when they get put together. You know, contributed yep. and, like, helped so and all this other shit. We, we did our Rattler alumni duty. Here's the shit that sis said on the view today that sent me into a motherfucking tweet storm. She said um, that violence is not how we move the needle forward. And violence has never been, excuse me, has never been how we move the needle forward with human rights. It, okay. is, with, it is with peaceful and eloquent um, 
and legislation. The sis remember the fire hoses? The sis remember the dogs being um, let loose on children? Does this remember the houses and the churches and the towns being burnt down to the ground? I mean, we can't, we're not going to, they whitewash history enough. We're not going to enable them to whitewash history. Like, I love how everyone canonizes Martin Luther King Jr. as Thank you. That's exactly where I went. He also came with that smoke and like, don't like how parts of him that creates if it's your narrative like right. if you're gonna embrace him embrace the all of him copper embrace all, all of him, him because he definitely advocated for any means by necessary as well as well yeah. but they curated that conversation to make it fit their little fucking annotated textbook and so that was my point and i was like first of all let's talk about martin because y'all love to lean into him love yep. martin they love him. This peaceful protest got him assassinated, right? Ooh, ooh, right. I said, and then Kaepernick chose a very peaceful protest. Right. He eloquently. Very and got eloquently. He never struggled to eloquently convey what his point was. So he was peaceful and he was eloquent. He was literally the textbook definition of what you're saying moved the needle forward. And today, Four years later, now the NFL gets it. They get it because we fucking shit up. They didn't. Right. They don't get peaceful protests. They shouldn't do that. No, learn it. Listen, the only thing I have, and I will say to people, just don't hurt nobody and don't kill anybody. Make sure everybody's out. Don't kill nobody. But burn yeah, it. Don't kill nobody. Burn, burn it. We built, we built this shit for free. Exactly. For burn it. free. So Thank burn you. it down. Burn it down. It pissed me off and it set me off because one, she's being vetted for the VP position, which the DNC better not do that, but that's a conversation for another day. She's leadership in a predominantly black area of a red state. Yeah. A very red state. Georgia, hella red. You yep. are the leader of a concentrated amount of blacks, a concentrated mm-hmm. amount of black wealth in the yep. South. Yeah. And you're being vetted for VP. And this is the shit you chose to say while you have I'm- all the fucking America's attention on daytime television? Just but like again, it goes up. back to respectability politics. Yes. And it's like Lillian said, you want to try out the good ones, the good respectable blacks. Like, yep. And, you know, once you get to a certain level of power, people tend to lose their authenticity. And right. they have to cater to, you know, the group that they want to align themselves with. And that yep. is what you see happening. And, and we're, seeing it, we're seeing it being done a lot. So, but the one thing, like I tell people, the, we can disagree about a lot of things, right? Not racism. But no. not racism. We are not going to disagree about that. It's either right or wrong. There's no in between. It's like all the dogs are there. You see brown, you see black, you see white, you see whatever color shades of frigging dogs. And you say, oh, but the 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 white dogs are important. All white dogs are important. No, what happened to the brown dogs? What happened to the black dogs? All the fucking dogs are important. Right? But now our focus right now are on the black on the black and we need everyone to understand that we have been dying for over centuries and the history keeps going 
and black history, to happen. black history is happening right now. Somebody, it's being right now. It's probably becoming a hashtag as we fucking speak, and that's the oh, problem. Yeah. and that's the fucking problem. That's the exactly. problem. Exactly. Every day we wake up to a new hashtag. That right. is the fucking problem, and that's why it's a problem for me when I see black leadership not when I see black leadership toting the line. That shit is problematic for me. That is. Yeah. That, that yeah. is not <laughs> that's not a space you know, I do well in because I, I'm not with the shits. I, I can't like I really do. I hate the pandering and I hate the respectability politics that oh if you you know look the part, dress the part, speak the part, you speak know, part. you'll get far. Like that's not meanwhile, true. Meanwhile, We've seen that time and time again. Listen, like DC cops stopped the damn senator and <laughs> accused him of of trying to um of trying to pass himself off as a real senator. Like, literally. No, it wasn't the D.C. cops. It was the Capitol cops. You literally. This man is a fucking U.S. senator. Yep. You mm-hmm. can't make it up. And stopped by the cops. You can't make it up. You can't make you it can. up. I mean, you it can't. goes like, like Cornell West in that, you know, the officer on the camp, was it Princeton, Yale? Yeah. That, you know, like, a cop, like, Cornell West, too? Cornel like, seriously? <laughs> so... Like, miss me with the respectability politics. Like, it doesn't, you, your life is not safer or uh, 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 more valued because of your degrees or how you're dressing. Mm-hmm. Like, that is bullshit. Like, everyone, like, a ghetto Black Life Matters the same way that an Ivy League Black yeah. Life Matters. Damn right. Damn right. right. I know my SUNY life matter. Fuck they thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, SUNY. <laughs> you know what they so, before we wrap up, I just want you ladies to give me like your final words, one of advice to other Black women in leadership right now, and then um, two, if you you know if you care to, let us know. Where we can find you on social media. Um, Man, you talked about tweeting, you know, some some powerful shit. So maybe you want to share your Twitter um, if you're okay with that. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I just want to hear your closing thoughts because I feel like y'all gonna give me some good shit to close out to. Okay. So um, my advice to any black female in leadership right now: um, use your platform and make your voice be heard. But as well, it's very important to have a solution. It, you know, we, we, we're at the table and we're barking, but make sure that we also have a solution to resolve the matter. It is important for our voice to be heard. This is not the time for us to be silent. So I will advocate, will empower every single one of you to take the lead and lead your ship like lead this is your time don't it's not about result it's about surviving right now so we need the strength and we need the power in our females because black women lives matter like there's a lot that's happening Mm -hmm. just on our platform but we need to use it and we need to use it today we need to take a stand we need to use our voices and be powerful but most importantly be impactful. Do not just be busy. Be impactful. That is important. Make sure yeah. that when you say something is wrong, say this is how you can fix it. This is what you want. Mm-hmm. So use your platform, use your voice, 
um, create your story. You can follow me on Twitter, Maylink LLC. That is M-A-Y-L-I-N-K LLC. And I'm also on IG. You can follow me there. My name is Mays World 410, M-A-Y-S and World, W-O-R-L-D 410. So feel free to follow me. And thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you. Um, so my final thoughts are uh, to Black women uh, along the same lines. Um, it's definitely to, as you climb, reach back and bring somebody up with you. Um, I really, really, really despise the narrative that Black women don't support each other or don't get along with each other. Um, that's not my reality at all. I have a, a phenomenal network of close friends, associates, and all we do is big each other up and support each other in whichever way, form that we can. It is lonely at the top and you absolutely need that support. And I do think that with our generation, we're not afraid to have someone else sitting at the table with us. At least that's been my experience. You have to definitely strengthen your networks. You make friends with the next black woman because like, you don't know especially as your careers grow and diverge, you don't know who's gonna end up at what company, like who you're gonna have to call on for like whatever assistance or resource. So make very strong, meaningful connections, mentor people. Um, and this also goes to making those connections. A mentor doesn't have to be a subordinate, um, a, a senior subordinate type of relationship. You can do peer mentorships as well. Um, so I think like that, is, is just gonna strengthen us like, you know, share, share your resources. Um, you know, if you hear about a course that may be helpful to someone else in a different type of industry, let them know about it. Like information flows so freely, it does more harm than good for you to try to hoard information. Like if we're trying to uplift each other and lift um, our demographic as a whole, we have to be able to share and so share information more freely and just like fully, fully, fully support each other. I love that. Thank you, Kim. So I, I love the the you pointing out peer peer mentorship because that is a big thing. And I think very often the narrative is that it's in a subordinate senior way. Yeah. But I feel like more of my successful mentorship relationships now are with people who are on par that just have something to offer, that know something that I don't know, and whatever we get an opportunity to feed off each other. So I really appreciate my rich leaders <laughs> for pulling up and spending some time with me. Y'all better save y'all coins. <laughs> no, I've been looking. I've been looking. I really oh, that. You can't get my personal handle, but if you want to follow a page on Instagram, you can follow at Bronx Budget Girl on Instagram because I do personal finance advice on that page. <laughs> See? You got stuff to offer the people. <laughs> Seriously, y'all, I really, really, really appreciate y'all hopping on Black Girl SOS with me. Um, and in closing, I just want to say to everyone who is watching, leadership is not your title and nine times out of ten, leadership is accidental. You fall into leadership just by way of who you are what you're willing to share and how you're willing to embrace. So you find yourself in a leadership position, whether you ask for it or not, lean into it, especially right now, because to both of these ladies' point, we have to use our platform unapologetically 
loudly and impactfully. And until next time, sis, you have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>